I'm a firm believer that if God wants you to be or do something, those doors are open. You just need to stay with the faith and walk through them. The gifts that God has really given me is that steadfast faith that no matter what is thrown at me, I know God is in control. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and I've been looking forward to introducing you to our guest today, former NFL player Don Beebe. Don's story of faith and determination is remarkable, and I think you'll be grateful after hearing it today. We'll get started in just a moment. We try to interview people from all walks of life on First Person to illustrate that God can use anybody who's committed their life to Him in obedience. If you're a new listener, you can go back through our online archive and find dozens and dozens of interviews. They're all available at firstpersoninterview.com. As a matter of fact, if you're planning a car trip this summer, you can download the podcast through iTunes and take us with you for hours of good listening. Just search for First Person on iTunes and subscribe for free. Well, Don Beebe didn't take the normal path to playing pro football in the NFL, but as you'll hear, he eventually got his chance and had a storied career for which he gives God the glory. Today, Don coaches a Christian school's football team and has won two consecutive state championships in their division. He came to the studio recently, and we talked about his childhood desire to someday play pro sports. You know, ever since I was a little boy, um, growing up in Sugar Grove, Illinois, I was always outside. I, I, when I'd come home from school and had to do my homework first, and then I was out the door. And I, I remember days that I, I was such a fanatic just in athletics that it would— uh, it would be snowing out, and I'd go out there, and I'd shovel the drive, and I'd play hoops until my fingertips would bleed because they'd get oh, so dry man. and chap. <laughs> and uh, I just put Band-Aids on, and I kept playing. So I was I was an, always an outdoor kid mm-hmm. with athletics. But did it specifically lead to football? I mean, did you, did you love football more than anything else? Uh, no, I actually hated football. Did I, you really? Yeah, I, you know, I liked playing with the guys in the backyard. It was a lot of fun, and, and we played games all the time, you know, five-on-five five or seven-on-seven. Seven. But... Um, but once it got to high school, my passion was such basketball. I just loved uh, Pete Maravich drills when I was a kid, and then, <laughs> and and we were a basketball school when I, you know, growing up in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, I bet you were a terror on the court with your well, speed. I was. I mean, I was okay basketball. I wasn't a great basketball player. I was. I was decent. Um, but but going into my junior year, I told my dad. I said, you know, Dad, look, I I, I just want to concentrate on basketball. I didn't really don't want to go for football. I didn't like it much at all. And he looked at me. He said, Son, he says either you're going out for or football, or you're going out for cross country. <laughs> so and I couldn't run more than hundred yards. So I I got I stuck with the football thing and 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 it was my senior year. The new coach came in, a named Joe Thorgensen, and really instilled the love of football in me. And from that point on, I knew that's what I wanted to do. What was it about football? Well, I think it was really is it was the coach. Uh, you know, um, I was always competitive, and I always liked the sport of any sport. I just it didn't matter if me and you were playing checkers. You know, yeah. Wayne, I would just love to compete, yeah, and you'd love to win, probably. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I try, um, but it was, and I loved football to to play, but not the organized part of it. You know, um, with the helmets and the pads and all that stuff, and but with Coach Thorgy, I mean, he instilled such a passion for me in that game. I, I just knew then my senior year that this is what I felt like I was going to want to do the rest of my life. And you gave your life to Christ at a young age too, didn't you? I did. I was saved at seven, and I you know I knew what that meant uh, at seven years old. You know to give my heart to God, and and I remember I was I was kind of an introverted, shy kid. You know uh, when I was young. I mean it was a it, I, to the point where I I struggled praying in front of the, my own family at dinner. You know I was just that shy. But at seven I was sitting there at church one day and. 
uh, grew up at, at First Assembly God in, in Aurora, Illinois. And uh, it was my Aunt Mary, and I was sitting next to my Aunt Mary, and I said, I really would want to, I want to give my heart to God. And she said, well, I'll go with you. And so she went with me, and, and at the end of praying and accepting Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, she asked me, she said, well, is there anything else that you want to ask God? And I said, yeah, would, I'd like to ask God if I could be or do something special in sports. <laughs> and it's ironic how God is taking me yeah. on this path, because once we talk about my path, you'll, you'll be amazed that I, there's no way I should have played in the NFL. Yeah, you, you didn't take the normal route to no. get there, did you? Well, tell me the story. How, how did you get there? Out of, right out of high school, I, did, I was very fortunate to get one Division One scholarship to West Illinois. It was still a full ride, you know, and as a parent, yeah. that was that was a big thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I went for the two-week camp, and, and I graduated from high school at 5'10", 165 pounds. So I wasn't a real big guy. Yes, I could run, but but physically I was not a, you know, a Staltworth uh, football <laughs> player. So I went to there, and I and I lost 21 pounds in the two-week camp. I couldn't oh eat. I was homesick, and oh. I just wasn't ready for college. It was God's way of saying to me, I'm not ready for you to do this right now. Um, now, I had been dating a girl in my junior and senior year. She's the only girl I ever dated, and that was the big reason I left. Well, she's now my wife of four kids. You were kids, homesick so. and lovesick. Yeah, I was, but it was for the right reason. Uh, you, it, it doesn't always work out that way, but in my case, it did. Um, and she's the love of my life. So, I mean, it was the right decision to make at that time. And I sat out of school, Wayne, for three years. Well, that'll get the, uh, the scouts' attention. Yeah, well, I completely went from, you know, just not doing anything, but I always kept myself active. I was a very active guy. I used to work out all the time and everything of that nature. And after three years, I graduated in 83, and now this is 1986. After three years of doing that, I felt led by the Holy Spirit to go back and play football. Now, what I'm going to say next is going to be kind of so naive and crazy to even think about. But I remember one day I was pounding nails on a house, and it was in Naperville, Illinois. And I was in the three-story peak. And the and I was scared of heights as it was already. Oh boy. And the wind caught the staging that I was standing on. Oh. And I froze. I couldn't move. I mean, I literally had to inch my way down. It took me about 20 minutes to get down off the on the ground. And once I got to the ground, I knew then, I, I told Bob, my brother-in-law, who I was working with, I said, Bob, I, I said, I'm done. I said, I can't. This is not for me. I, I just feel that God's calling me to football. And so we got to talking, you know, construction guys. We talk all the time, you know, how great you were in high school and all that <laughs> stuff. He says, hey, why don't you just go try out for the Bears? You know, it was May of 1986. Yeah, like anybody can yeah. do that, right? They just fresh off a Super Bowl win. You know, <laughs> it's you know. So May 1986, I I try I go up to Lake Forest in their mini camp, and I tried to walk on the Chicago Bears. I'm sitting in the stands, and I grew up a Bear fan. Uh, I sit in the stands, and I knew who Bill Tobin was. He's general manager, and I turn around. He was two rows behind me, and I walk up to him. I said, you know, Mr. Tobin. I said, what would it take to get a trial with the Bears? And he says, well, we just don't take kids off the street. And I said, well, what if I could? And I had no idea what I could run a 40 at that time. But I knew what the fastest times were because on the field at that time was Dennis McKinnon, Willie Gall, yeah. Lou Barnes, yeah, Jim McMahon, Walter Payton. Yeah. yeah, so I was thinking, well, you know, I don't know if I could play with those guys. I think I could run with them. And I said, well, what if I could run a 4-3 or 4-240? Well, he looked at me and he kind of laughed. He says, son, he says, we just don't. We, if you could do that, he said, you'd already be in our camp. Well, that was my extent with Chicago Bears. Well, that's. That, so I was that, felt, ended the, that ended that career well, right there. It, it ended it for the Bears. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, Our loss, by the way. <laughs> well, I, so I, it was funny. Now, from this point on, it was May of 1986 that the doors started to open. I mean, I'm a firm believer that if God wants you to be or do something, those doors are open. It, you just need to stay with the yeah. faith and yep. walk through them. And be obedient. Yeah, and, and that's hard. It is for everybody. It's hard to do, but one thing I think that anybody that knows me— 
uh, I think one of the, the gifts that God has really given me is that steadfast faith that no matter what is thrown at me, I know God is in control. And I really leaned on this faith as a young man, and all of a sudden the door started to open. And, and, and in June, July, it was the summer of that, that same summer of 86, uh, the Coach Craddock, Bruce Craddock from Western Illinois, the three school years that later, you dropped out of. School that I dropped out of three years later. Now, they didn't call me after the first year, the second year, three years now. He calls me and says, Hey, would you ever think about coming back to play? I was like, Well, dude, don't, you know, hit me over the head. Of course, <laughs> you know, this is certainly an answer to prayer. And I said, Without hesitation, I said, Yeah, I feel like God's want me to, to come back. I would love to come back. But the He's, clock's going to be running out. Well, that's the... what he said to me. He said in the conversation, he says, I got to tell you something, Don. He said, um, your NCAA eligibility clock started in 83, so you really only have two years left mm-hmm. to play, and, and that's including one redshirt year. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I'll take it. You know, I just was looking for the opportunity. The door opened, so I went. So I went back, went through the two-week camp again in the fall of 86, and they call me into their office, and they tell me I'm ineligible because of lack of transfer credit hours from Aurora College. So I had to go back to Obonsi Junior College, pick up the transfer credits, transfer now back in the night in the spring of 1987 with one year of eligibility in the NCAA. Now, I will admittedly say this now, and I didn't then, but I had a dream and a passion that I was going to play in the NFL, and I wasn't going to let anything or anyone tell me that I could not do that hmm. because I really felt that that was laid on my heart. So in the spring of 1987, without playing a down of football, this is where it all started in the NFL for me. I was in math class. I was w- walking out of class. I had my usual college attire on, a tank top, jean shorts, and sandals. And I just happened that day to walk into Western Hall. And Western Hall was where they were doing what they call NFL Pro Days. They take the seniors, guys that are going to be seniors, and they time them in the 40 and do all these agility tests. Well, that was me, but I wasn't invited. And so I just happened to walk into the gym to run the 40, and I go up to coach and said, what's going on? He tells me what's going on. I said, well, I'm going to be a senior. Can I run? He looked at me and said, Don, you're not on any film. He says, you know, basically, let's not waste our time. <laughs> and I was, you know, adamant as much as I'm adamant. I just said, man, I would really like to do that. would be kind of cool. And so he went and asked the Dallas scout. And the Dallas scout, and there was five scouts here that day. He said, yeah, just let the kid run. <laughs> so they weren't going to wait for me to go get my running shoes. They weren't going to let me warm up. Oh, no. Are you I kidding me? I jumped on the track in barefooted in jean shorts and a tank top and ran a 4-3-2. Oh, my goodness. Well, this is where it all started because as soon as I got done running, that scout came up to me. He says, what? what's your name? And I said, well, Don Beebe. He says, what, what number are you on film? <laughs> I said, well, I'm a fifth-year senior. I've never played before. He laughed. He goes, you got to be kidding me. He says, I just timed you. It's the fastest time I've ever recorded in 21 years of doing this. And you did it barefoot. Barefoot. He says, well, we'll keep your eye on you. I went out and finished the rest of the testing and everything like that. And that's where it kind of started. At the end of the spring drills, I landed up earning the starting job at the X receiver, which was quite an accomplishment. Yet, But yet, again, I knew it was all God. <laughs> but the NCAA rules and regulations guy calls me into his office again. Now, this is almost a year later. And he says, Don, he says, we're just not going to give you your eligibility. And I was devastated. I started, I was bawling in this guy's office. And I just knew what this guy was telling me, that it was over. I mean, Dream basically done. Yeah, 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 it was done. I was going home to do construction. And, uh, and I remember, and I remember, and I still get chills today talking about this, is that I was walking out of his office past the football field with the 12-foot fence. Now, I had my hands on the fence and looking out there and saying, I will, I'll never be able to play. And I was saying, Lord, how can this be? This just can't be. And an overwhelmingly sense of the Holy Spirit came over to me and said, Don, it's okay. Relax. I got it. God's will will always be accomplished as long as we're allowed to be obedient and stay steadfast in our faith and listen. 
because God will use anybody to get his will done. More about the faith and career of NFL great Don Beebe coming up in the second half of today's First Person. From time to time, we feature a story of what God is doing through Peter Dynica Russian Ministries in the countries of the former Soviet Union. Well, there are 12 countries where Russian Ministries is actively involved, and there is now a monthly prayer guide available where detailed information is provided to pray for one country a month. Commit to pray for Russia and the surrounding countries by using this effective prayer guide. Go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the banner for Russian Ministries. I'm delighted today on First Person to have Don Beebe as my guest. Don is one of those NFL players who's long remembered for his exploits on the field. And Don, it's fun to meet you. I've seen all the highlight reels through the years and know how fast you were and how many receptions you had. It was over 200, right? I know individual games. I can remember individual games. I had four touchdowns in one game against the Steelers. Yeah. And uh, I had 220 yards against the 49ers when I was with the Packers. So I always remembered that your very first reception yeah. in the NFL went for a, what, 60-plus yard touchdown. Yeah, 63, yeah. <laughs> that was quite a story, actually. And, and then I also remember, and it's odd that I would remember you for a defensive play, mm-hmm. but that play in the Super Bowl with the Cowboys yeah. when you knocked the ball out of uh, Leon, Leon Lett's hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that one's the, the, the you know— to be able to first on the first part, the the first touchdown, uh, you know, it's quite a funny story because I remember being in the huddle and I was nervous. This is the first time I was ever in a huddle in an NFL game in my rookie year, obviously. And we broke the huddle and I was supposed to do a post corner and Kelly, Jim Kelly said to me as we're breaking, he says, if Dishman, the, the cornerback, Chris Dishman, if Dishman is pressed on you again, just take him deep. I'm throwing it to you. I was like, oh, man. So, and I will honestly say this, that if I was to be in that same situation again, I'd probably drop nine out of ten of those because it was a, it was just, Wayne, I was running down the field as fast as I could. I looked up. The ball got lost in the lights in the Astrodome. Oh. And Jim throws a high ball anyway. It looks like a punt. And I just stuck my right hand out there it, without stepping out of bounds at all, and it just stuck in my hand. Did you hear the angels singing or anything oh, like yeah. that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then I pulled it in and then, and then went the rest of the way. But it was quite a, quite yeah. a story. But, but you mentioned also the Leon Lett story. And that, you know, uh, before that game, Super Bowl twenty seven, I went out about an hour before the game, and I was just dressed in my pants and a cutoff shirt. And, and I knelt at the 50-yard line. It was just really a cool time with the Lord. Um, and I just said, Lord, just let me glorify you today instead of me. That mm. was my prayer. Mm. So you were T-bowing long before <laughs> it was popular. Huh? Well, and, and the thing is, Wayne, selfishly speaking, I was walking off and I felt really good. I mean, you, you know what that feeling feels like. You know, I felt great. And I was like, man, I'm going to score the winning touchdown in this game. I mean, I felt that good. But, but let it be God to use such a just crazy play that meant nothing in a football game. Yeah. I mean, you it, were losing big time. Oh, 52-17, the and, game was over. And the Cowboys were just going to put yeah. icing on the cake and score that, yeah. that 59th point. About four or five minutes left in the game. There's no way we're going to come back and win this, you know? And and I was running a fly pattern down the left side of the field, and Frank Wright, my best friend, was a quarterback at that time. Jim was hurt, and he was out. And and Frank fumbled, and Frank says, you know, today he fumbled to to make me famous. But that <laughs> that would be Frank's humility. He would do that too. Um, Frank's a believer too. He is. Yeah. Yep. And 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 so Leon Lett, the defensive lineman, picked up the fumble and started running for an apparent touchdown. Now, I mean, I just took off right away. And one of the stories that I like to tell people in the illustrations that I want them to learn from is 
everybody that how you really truly react to something mm. is really your true character. Mm-hmm. Because if you have time to think about it, 30 seconds even, or a minute, and especially for 24 hours, you know, most people, especially Christian people, they're going to make that right decision, you know. Um, but I had no time to think there. I just reacted. So instinctively, yeah. you did what you've been taught to do in football, even though you're losing big time. Right. And and I, again, I go back to who I was raised as a, from my mom and dad, uh, my coaches, and my faith. You know, my faith tells me we don't ever give up, no matter what the circumstances are. You just go until the whistle blows or until the, the end is over. Or, yeah. And so I just took off running. And as I was running— Boy, did you run. <laughs> <laughs> I had to run a long way. Nobody still today knows exactly how far that was. But Leon put the ball out. And I knocked the ball out of his hands inside the one-yard line. Because he was kind of celebrating the touchdown before he got to the goal line. He was. And, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay. But, but the rule states, of, as a ball came out of his hand through the back of the end zone, it became the Buffalo Bills ball at the 20-yard line going the other way. Now, here's the funny thing about this. is If you go back and watch this, Google that play, the back judge is at least 10 yards away. He can't make the call. The sideline judge, I ran right past him. He was way behind the play. There's no way he could make that call. They had instant replay, took it out that year and brought it back a few years later. So they didn't have instant replay. You think to yourself, give him the touchdown. Okay, it happened inside the one. There's no way yeah. they could know yeah. if it was or if it wasn't. Okay, it landed up being it wasn't because I have a photo that shows it wasn't. But how would they know that? Just get 59, 17, 52, 17? Who cares, really? What difference does it make? So who made the call? Well, the, they, they collectively, the referees got together, and it took them a couple of minutes, which is a long time in a game, in the NFL game. And they decided that it was our ball, Buffalo Bills ball, going the other way. Now, Leon's life changed from that point, and so did mine. And, and, and I look at that, and I say, why didn't they just give him the touchdown? Because God knew how this play was going to impact so many people. Even today, 20 years later, hmm. we're still talking about this play. You talked to Leon? I, oh, yeah. Actually, we've become really good friends. We didn't talk to each other for uh, about 17 years. I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I got to know him, especially this last year. 20 years later, we do, we're doing a 20-year anniversary of the play, and we're doing a documentary on the play. And, and we were invited to do a—we had a, a Super Bowl, pregame Super Bowl uh, segment with Phil Sims and Bill Nathan. And it was great to be able to do that. But I got to tell you, Leon's a great person, a great guy, quiet, unassuming, gentle giant of a personality. He just did something that he even today admits that was wrong, and he's teaching it from a completely different perspective. Isn't that but great? It is great. Just like God, isn't it? It is just like God. And, you know, and, and Leon, he could have climbed in a shell and says, forget it, I'm not going to talk about it. But that wasn't his approach. And I got to hand it to him. And we've become very good friends over this whole deal, which is kind of neat. That's great to hear. Yeah. I, I love to hear how that story turned out. I know I skipped a lot. There's a lot more in your book yeah. uh, about uh, how you got to the NFL after that second college, which, I mean, Nebraska, yeah. some little school in, ne- in Nebraska, right, where <laughs> the you got, got the attention of the scouts and made Shedden it to the State, NFL. Yeah. You went to the Bills and then to the uh, Carolina, wasn't Carolina it? Carolina one year. For a year. And then to the Packers. To the Packers, yeah. Where you got your Super Bowl ring. The yeah. Bills didn't do it. I mean, yeah. what was it? Four, four in a row. Four yeah. losses in a row in the yeah. Super Bowl. And then finally that Super Bowl ring with the Packers. That had to be extra special. It was. It, and, and, I, and I must admit, um, I was a safety guy standing behind Brett, 10 yards behind Brett, watching the last 10 seconds tick off Super Bowl 31, knowing full well I was going to win a Super Bowl. And all I could think about and reflect on was all of my friendships in Buffalo, the players that I played with and the, and the coach, Marv Levy, who I love mm-hmm. dearly, mm-hmm. the general manager, Bill Poling and John Butler, uh, and all the fans. They all deserved what I was feeling at that time. And I, unselfishly thinking, was just all geared towards them. And, and in the post-game interviews, that's all I really wanted to talk about. 
but you know, winning a Super Bowl in a Packer uniform was a tremendous experience, and there's no question about it. And I got to share it with my oldest daughter and my 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 son, and I walked them off the field in my arms. And I tell you, there's no better feeling in in sports than that. Yeah. Your life, though, uh, since retiring from the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, tell me about that. What's it like for you now? Well, I knew I wanted. I had a platform. You know, God gave me a platform. I understood early in my career, especially plays like Leon Play and stuff of that nature, that my career was not about Don Beebe. Mm-hmm. My career was about uh, Jesus Christ and what I could do as an NFL player or former NFL player to impact kids and people still today. And, uh, and so I, I knew that. And so I didn't want to selfishly climb into go golf every day or do anything of that nature that, you know, listen, we're only here a very short period. I mean, 70, 80 years is not a very long time when you're talking eternity. And in those 70, 80 years, how many people can you be used by God to impact for the kingdom of Christ? Man, that is just like exhilarating feeling. And, and so I wanted to start a business called House of Speed that trains athletes. We have 17 franchises across the country. And that's been great, but I wanted to be a part of kids' lives on a more intimate level. So I became a head coach in 2004, and I just finished. I'm going into my 10th year. At the high school level. At the high school level. But you you could have coached practically anywhere, couldn't you? I could have went back to Buffalo with uh, Coach Levy. He called me one night and asked me when he became the general manager back in 05, I believe it was. And and I just told Coach, I said, you know, I appreciate it. You're you're a great man, but I just feel my heart and God's called me to high school. Hmm. And uh, and I and I just love. I got to tell you, Wayne, I'm having the time of my life. Well, you've won two consecutive state championships, so we, that'll, yeah, that'll uh, well, that'll feel pretty good. As Coach Lee would tell you, he says you win because you have great players. <laughs> so <laughs> and I've had great players, um, but I but I just know that seeing how God's using me today to impact these kids and, and just the community and people, and and I travel around and I speak at a lot of different conventions and crusades and just banquets, and I really enjoy that and. And, and I just finished a book, as you were saying earlier, you know, six rings from nowhere. I have six Super Bowl rings. You win or lose a Super Bowl, you get one anyway, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I have six rings. And I tell people, I said, those are great things to accomplish. But you know what? They collect dust. Hmm. They don't do anything for me today. They give me a platform to speak on. And, and if I was to just sit there and look at my rings or yeah. wear my rings around, I mean, that really is kind of empty. Don, when you look back over life so far, you got a lot of life left. But mm-hmm. so far, you have to be just grateful and just exuberant about what God has done in your life. I am, but I realize that it's all from God because if it wasn't, it'd be pretty empty. You know, God's grace isn't a wonderful thing. I don't deserve anything. And without God's grace, I would, you know, I'd be very miserable uh, because it's very easy. You know, we're all born of a sinful nature and it's very easy to be miserable every day. And so you have to fill yourself with the Spirit daily because you never know when you're going to come in contact with someone at some point in time that could change their life. You just never know. Don Beebe, he'll long be remembered for his exploits on the field, but more importantly, for the impact of his life on his family and on young athletes as he models Christ. You can learn more about today's guest, former NFL player Don Beebe, at our website. We've placed links there, which will take you to his website, and you'll find his book there, Six Rings to Nowhere. You'll also learn about his coaching program for young athletes called House of Speed. The links to this are found at firstpersoninterview.com. Again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. And there's also a schedule of upcoming interviews and a full archive of past programs to listen to online at firstpersoninterview.com. Plus, you can visit us on Facebook to interact with what you've heard on the program. We're found at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. 
Next week, you'll meet a young man who grew up in Siberia and now serves the Lord, building up the next generation of young evangelical leaders. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. 